I think I speak on behalf of the congregation when I say we are digging the music today. <laughs> today, our focus, our first week of Advent, our focus is on hope. Uh, so as we listen to Isaiah 43 here in a second, let us turn our minds and our hearts to think about hope. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, we certainly come before you with the joy of Advent before us, asking when the Messiah might come, knowing that if we wait through Advent, wait uh, with hope and peace and joy and love, we will get to that day where your Son is born. And the night of his birth is certainly a day that brings hope for the entire world. In your name we pray. Amen. Seven weeks ago, my daughter had only seen my face. Five weeks ago, she left the orphanage in the care of two strangers that she'd spent a total of one hour talking to. Brian and I knew why we were there. So did you. We were there because of love. We were there because of this call from God. We were there for her. And frankly, she had every reason to not believe us. A seven-year-old girl left everything she knew in the care of two strangers she'd spent a total of one hour talking to. And after three weeks of living together, three weeks of having fun, testing boundaries, getting to know each other, just three weeks, she got on an airplane with those two complete strangers and flew to a country she'd never seen before, knowing she's completely dependent on us. The two of us, who six weeks ago were pictures and a month ago were strangers. I struggle to even comprehend that. When I think about it, I wonder how. How? When love has only ever been dangerous or temporary, how do you still hope for love? After you've been let down so many times, how do you hope for joy? How do you hope when the world must seem so dark? I look at her and I wonder that. I wonder when I, a pastor, with all these promises of God and God's kingdom and the resurrection, I wonder when I last had the courage to hope for something like that. Today's sermon is not about my daughter. It is for her. For her and for all the other kids we saw in Columbia that we had to leave behind. It is for her friends who are still in institutional care, the ones who will age out of adaptability at 16, the ones who watched her leave with a mix of heartache and happiness and jealousy, and we saw their faces, we saw them as we were leaving, and let me just tell you, you cannot forget those faces. So this sermon today is for those children who only have hope. And not just for the children. This morning we're talking about hope for all of those who need it, all of those who only have hope, all those looking for a tomorrow that just might be better than today. And if you're not desperate for hope today, you're an arm's length or at most a phone call away from someone who is. Because we, God's church, need a hope that is living, that is tenacious, stronger than the fear and larger than the doubt. I want the kind of hope 
that allows a seven-year-old girl to jump on a plane with two complete strangers in pursuit of a better, brighter future. New life, resurrection, hope. It's a hope that enters into the darkness and refuses to hide it, refuses to back away, because it is convinced that if it can persist, if it can persevere through the dark, there has to be something more. You see, the most dangerous thing for hope is not hard things. It's resignation. The most dangerous thing for hope is good enough. Good enough which frankly is fine for gardens or makeup, but for us, for our families, for our town, good enough feels like giving up and God wants more for us than just good enough. And I know from personal experience that it's easier to settle for good enough because something better, something you have to hope for, will always lead you straight into the dark first. Good enough lets us stay right here in the known. But as we enter into Advent together, we remember God has never said good enough about you, not about anyone. If we want to find God this season leading to Christmas, we remember that Christ was born a baby in the dark. So I'm asking you to step with me into the dark, to wait in the dark for these four weeks, step beyond comfort, step beyond certainty, step into the dark, into the unknown. Wait without even knowing what you're waiting for and hear this good news. God's promise to His people as they wait in the dark from Isaiah 43. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for you, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored. And I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. So do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you up. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Do not fear, for I am with you. The word of the Lord for us, the people of God. Advent has to begin with us entering into the dark, between where God wants me, where God wants my daughter, where God wants us as a church, between where we are and where God wants to bring us is the uncertainty and risk and change and darkness. 
And if we don't enter into the dark of the world, if we settle for good enough, we will not see the new thing God is doing today. We will not see hope being born. Advent begins in the dark. Years ago, I remember seeing this newspaper article. There was a woman, single mother, had a 14-year-old daughter. And pretty typically, the 14-year-old gave her mom sass all day, every day. So one day, the mother goes home and found that her 14-year-old was gone. Just gone. No notes, no text, no phone call telling where she was, nothing. She just left. So the mother goes on the hunt for her daughter, at first not really all that concerned. She continues to keep looking, but weeks and months go by and she can't find her. So at some point, the mother decides she quits her job so she can spend all of her time looking for her daughter. She's walking up and down the West Coast, asking anyone who would listen if they had seen her daughter carrying a picture. Have you seen her? Have you seen her walk by here? Has anybody seen this young girl? She's 14 in this picture, but now she's 18. I bet she looks pretty similar now. Have you seen her? Why did this woman walk every day up and down the streets Why didn't she just move on? Why did she give her whole life to looking for her 14-year-old daughter? Why? Because hope. But beyond this darkness, if I persevere beyond this, maybe there's hope. Two weeks ago, my daughter got on a plane as the sun came up and it carried us into literal darkness. And she still doesn't know if it was the biggest mistake of her life. But she got onto that plane because of hope. Beyond this darkness, if I persevere, hope. Hope is defiant. It is strong like mountains. It flashes like fire. If I persevere, what might be hope? I, like any mother, do not know what my daughter will become. I do not know what decisions she will make in her life. I don't even know what decisions she'll make today. I don't know if she'll achieve her dream to be a doctor slash pastor, or if that dream will change, or if she'll choose a life that more closely resembles her past. All I have is hope. Well, what if that led me to not hope at all? I wonder sometimes if someone had written out my day-to-day schedule before I went to pick her up and told me just how hard it would be if I would still have gotten on that plane to do it. I wonder if they described it, laid out how long, laid out the intensity, laid out the concern and the worry, what would I have done? But what else can you do? Abandon her to face darkness by herself? All I can do is enter into the dark with her, fight beside her, dream with her, and wait, just like any of you have to do with your families. Wait 
not even sure what I'm waiting for, but I know this. I know that Christian hope is not weak and it is not wimpy. My God was born in the dark, and I know that when I pass through the waters of change, God will be with me, and through the rivers of tears, they shall not overcome me. When I walk through the fire of fear, I shall not be burned, and the flames will not consume me. We do not wait in darkness alone. We enter into the darkness on purpose because we carry God with us. When we enter the dark, we are defiant. We are strong like mountains. Our eyes flash like fire because we know that God was born in the dark and a new day is coming. What gets me about this Isaiah text is God's promise goes on to say this. Because you are precious in my sight, I give people in return for you. Nations in exchange for your life. As God speaks this promise to my daughter, a promise of a future better than her past, I know that the God, God is giving people in exchange for her future as Brian and me. The cost of her hope is us. And we know that God speaks this good news to our families, to our neighbors, to our friends. God speaks this promise to them because they are precious in His sight too and honored and God loves them. So God paves the way to save them and you just might be the cost of someone else's hope. We need to know that as the church... We are the people given in exchange for their lives. Hope doesn't spontaneously appear in the dark. Someone has to pay. The bigger the need for hope, the deeper the dark. When you're wondering about life after losing a child or a spouse, when you're wondering about starting over, You need a hope big enough to save because that darkness is deep. How will things ever be good again? How will they ever be good again? That's the question you ask in the dark, and I wish I knew the answer. I wish I could tell you. What I know is they'll never be the same. You can get lost in the dark. We know that. We know that. We know that some people never find their way out of the dark because they can't find the hope. But it is our God-given privilege to carry this hope to them. When you pass through the waters of despair, God will be with you. And through the rivers of change, they will not overcome you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames of grief shall not consume you. A new day is coming through the darkness, not around it. Something new is coming. This Advent, we wait with 157 million orphans. We wait with the lost and forgotten, with the grieving and the addicted, the heartbroken and the homeless. We wait with you. We enter into our darkness, into our private despairs and fears and defiance. We wait for a new day to come. Because when Jesus Christ is born, 
on Christmas morning. When God is born in the flesh, it is His declaration that He will never settle for good enough, not with you, not with anyone. To perfection, He will take us. So we enter into the dark. This Advent, not even knowing what we are waiting for, not knowing how this could possibly change, we enter into the dark knowing that God may use our lives to buy someone else's hope. And friends, I can tell you this Christmas season that hope is expensive. So the question is whether someone else's hope is worth more than our good enough. And that answer has got to be yes. Someone else's hope is worth more than our good enough. So we enter into Advent with the promise of Isaiah. There was a church in southern Illinois who built a new building. In the cornerstone, they put a note that would be opened in 50 years. And at that time in Illinois, there was a young poet named Carl Sandburg. So the church wrote and said, Mr. Sandburg, would you please write something to put in our cornerstone, something you think the church ought to hear in 50 years. So he did. He wrote the note. Fifty years passed, and they finally were able to open the note inside. It wasn't quite what they expected. It wasn't flowery or admiring of the congregation. It simply said this, Take up your cross and walk the thorn way. If vinegar be handed you on a spear, drink it. Souls are made for endurance. God knows. It's what the church was made for. Hope. It's what we were made for. To carry the hope of God into the dark. It won't break us. Souls are made for endurance. God knows. Souls are made for endurance. And hope is our practice in that endurance. God knows. This Advent, leave behind good enough and let the darkness come. Let the uncertainty come. Step into someone else's deep darkness and wait with them, not knowing what you are waiting for. Enter the dark. Defy the dark and wait. And here is my promise. The darkness will not overcome you. The changes will not burn you. The future will not consume you. Souls were made for endurance and the darkness will not win. Beyond the dark, if we persevere, on the other side of the dark, on the other side of grief, on the other side of uncertainty, on the other side of whatever may come, if we persevere by the power of God, on the other side, don't you want to know what's there? Don't you? I want to know. For my daughter, I want to know what lies on the other side of darkness. I want to know. For you, I want to know. For your families, I want to know. So good enough is not good enough this Advent season. Because only beyond the darkness of Advent will we see a new day coming.
Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you give us strength to defy the darkness. Lord God, in our own lives, in the lives of people we care about, give us strength to continue to hope, a tenacious hope, a strong hope, a hope that depends on you and not on ourselves. Lord, fill us with this kind of hope in situations of grief, of loss, of darkness, of hurt, of pain. Lord God, this world is desperate for more of you, for your love, for your hope, for your peace, for your joy. So as we march through the darkness of Advent, we ask that you would continue to fill our homes with so much hope that we might take it to the nations, take it to anybody who might need it. Lord God, our souls were made for endurance. So we endure the same way that your Son did on our behalf. In your holy and precious name we pray.